0: Welcome. I hope you enjoy the conversation you're about to see between me and another comedian about religion and comedy. These are conversations I'm calling Disorganized Religion. God bless. And for those atheists out there, may nothing await you after this life. Welcome nerds to another episode of disorganized religion i am your host seth lawrence as always and this week we are joined by the fantastically
1: beautiful and uh rather talented as well so double threat robert schultz seth you don't need to say i'm talented i'm really just here to show off the good looks
0: i mean you are talented here's the thing people come to you for a youtube mini series people have uh come to your twitter you have thousands of followers which is thousands more than I have. And you've got a little special on laugh after dark. So come on,
1: you're a talented guy. I have so little money. And I think that really that's the subtext to every single thing that's, that's been said is I have so little money. Is that right? Cause you look like someone who has lots of money. And you see, that's what trips me up is people <laughs> assume I have a lot of money. So, but in reality, yeah. so little.
0: Yeah. What did you and do? That's my you just, curse. You just hop off the yacht and just throw the bags. Just like that's what up. you
1: see that's what people assume I'm like hey can I have some money for food and they like why don't you get it at the country club Rockefeller and I'm like good one you got okay. me I am so hungry though <laughs> for real
0: <laughs> oh my gosh now where are you from originally I'm from Missouri oh wow. that is uh what part of Missouri
1: I'm from St. Louis so I'm oh, okay. from yeah, I'm from, like a, I'm from like a suburb of St. Louis. It feels yeah. weird to say that because St. Louis is like relatively small compared to L.A. But yeah, I yeah, it.
0: yeah. Now, the reason I went, oh, is because as a Latter-day Saint, the Mormons have a troubled history with the state of Missouri. Uh, you and... know, not a lot
1: of people have a great history with the state of Missouri.
0: <laughs> I mean, nobody's certainly... like,
1: I went to Missouri and they were good to me there. Yeah. And I set down roots.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, you know, now, anyway. Maybe not. Maybe not. Missouri, I mean, I have visited uh, Illinois, Missouri, the Nauvoo area, because it's culturally uh, important for my faith. So we've been there and it's a pretty area, you know, and there's some charm to it.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> but were you excited to get out of Missouri? You know what? I was, but it's one of those things that like the more time I've spent away from there, I think it's like nostalgia. It's one of those yeah. things that, like I feel good when looking back on it at the same time when somebody's like, Hey, when are you to come back to visit? I'm like, never. Ah! But,
0: oh, it's nice.
1: It's got like forests. I like the weather. Yeah. There is nice parts of it. and Yeah. You
0: know. Yeah. The bugs get to me though.
1: The bugs were awful. Like that is one thing where it's just like bugs were a very, the very fact that bugs were a variable is not a good sign.
0: Yeah. That I had a
1: plan for bugs.
0: Yeah. It's Missouri and like the South. Those are the only two places I've lived in any amount of time where I'm, I honestly have like, I can't stay here because of the bugs.
1: Did you, so how much time have you spent in Missouri? Cause you said like, did you live there for any amount of time or was it just like (laughs) visiting because of like faith? So
0: while I was attending Brigham Young University, I did a study abroad, but it wasn't abroad. So it was a study afar in Missouri, Illinois. It was in Nauvoo. So we were there for a semester, which is what, like 10 weeks, something like that.
1: That's brutal. Your study abroad took you to Missouri (laughs) and Illinois. That was
0: my foreign experience. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah. So not, you know. Anyhow, and the only real parts I saw were Nauvoo, which is a really small town area in Illinois.
1: Interesting.
0: But, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so did you come
1: out of St. Louis to L.A., or have you lived elsewhere in the United mm. States? Well, I went from out of St. Louis to Orange County. I went to college mm. at, at Chapman University. the oh, Panthers. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then I went from there to L.A. Full disclosure, when I went to Orange County, I fully thought it was in L.A. Like, I thought I thought Orange County was to Los Angeles what a suburb of St. Louis was to St. Louis. Yeah,
0: right? sure. Or was I
1: wrong? But it was nice. So, yeah, I kind of had that little <laughs> midpoint.
0: Right. Well, L.A. is confusing because it is enormous. And there are a lot of little areas, you know?
1: And honestly, it's like uh, – it, It's feel incredibly naive to say, but my exposure was the show The OC, and in my head, I'm like, "Oh, a TV show takes place in New York or LA."
0: Yeah. And
1: so this is clearly one of the LA ones, and it's called The OC. (laughs) Therefore, The OC is LA. Yeah. And that's the transitive property.
0: Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. So you were shocked when you actually moved to LA, yes, and saw people of a different color.
1: I was shocked when I got to Orange County and I was like, where's the Hollywood sign? And
0: yeah, like, right. <laughs> it's, a, it's a couple hours away from where Incorrect. we are. Incorrect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So did you, so you went to OC for college. Yes. Was the dream always to do standup?
1: Yes. So the okay. dream was always to like get into comedy in college. And wow, this is, a, this is a religious podcast. And I don't know if cults are allowed to be brought up, but I did yeah, get into please. improv. I got uh, into improv. Most dangerous cult of all,
0: yeah, yeah, because you're happy the whole time,
1: because you're happy the whole time and you don't realize who you're hurting, you know, <laughs> at least in a cult, when you sacrifice somebody, you know what you did, you know what I mean, yeah, robes are covered in blood, in improv, I put on shows in the student union, and I did permanent damage that I only <laughs> recognize in hindsight,
0: <laughs> well, the one positive thing to the improv cult is the only person you're hurting is yourself,
1: ultimately, that is true, yeah, ultimately, everyone else. Everyone I've begged for a one word suggestion has managed to move on. And I play it over and over.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, improv is such a nice, I looked at it because I started in improv as well uh, in Provo, Utah, as far as my comedy career goes. Uh, But it's such a nice, welcoming, supportive group to join if you're thinking about doing comedy at all.
1: It's very welcoming. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's like stand-up comedians hate on improvisers or whatever, but I know early when I was like just starting stand-up and you're, it, you're bombing and it's brutal, yeah. I was doing improv simultaneously and the yeah. improv felt great because you would just <laughs> do objectively the worst comedy you've ever seen or heard of and sure. be met with just like acclaim and warmth. <laughs> and it's like, this is amazing.
0: Yeah. Well, and the expectations from an audience is very different.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, for stand-up and improv. So, okay, so you started an improv. Was that with the, the student group, a club? That was with the
1: student group. Got it. Yeah, at Chapman. And it was okay. actually a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, and how long did you do that? Was that all four years at Chapman? That was all
1: Hey, that was all four years, baby. Man, that was you, were <laughs> yeah, you were was in. in. Yeah, I
0: was deep in. And then I did great.
1: uh senior year and kind of my first year in LA, I did, uh, some, the, I did the UCB thing. And yeah. then I kind of switched over to uh, stand-up.
0: And what was your experience in UCB? Was it positive? I've heard mixed things.
1: It was positive. I mean, that's the thing about it is like, cause I obviously like making fun of improv now, but it's sure. like, I, I, if anything, if I had a genuinely bad experience, I'd probably have a tougher time making fun of it because it would be just, I don't know, it would feel like too precious to and I'd be unearthing like that emotions. <laughs> yeah. But I can't complain, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, stand up, you'd always been, int- oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: Oh, no, no! Yeah, yeah. I think you froze for a second, but I think oh, back.
0: we're back. Yeah. Good man. Zoom. Everyone's using it, and uh, somehow I get hurt every once in a
1: yeah. while. It's since we were talking about improv, and they're like, "This is not
0: a. <laughs> this is going nowhere. Let's yeah. see, stop." <laughs> uh, so, what did you like about, or what do you see as the biggest differences between stand-up and improv as a performer?
1: I mean, it's really, it's, it's, I feel like they're just very different parts of, of your brain. Like, I honestly feel like there's not a whole lot of overlap. I guess the one thing is just like, I don't know, just being to identify like the funny thing about a situation, I suppose. that's. I honestly feel like most of the overlap is probably unconscious. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah.
0: Now, are you kind of guy that writes out your jokes word for word when you perform stand-up? Or do you feel yeah. like, okay, so improv, you're not one of the guys like, I'll just write on stage and kind of feel no. it out. and. No, no. Gotcha. I think
1: that if you're I think that if you're riding on stage at open mics, you're a sociopath. There's a word <laughs> for that. There's just no way. Like, I just, you're going on stage to find it at 3 p.m. Yeah. at an open mic? No. Yeah. Um, yeah amongst I, that's friends, weird. Robert, amongst friends. Oh, I was I don't think you understand. I have nothing but deep enemies in the LA open mic <laughs> scene. I don't think that, well, deep maybe. rivalries and vicious, <laughs> vicious enemies are out here. Do you have a comedy nemesis?
0: Huh? Do you have a comedy nemesis, an arch nemesis in the comedy world?
1: They're they're all, they all are. All of them? They're just, look at me, they're just rungs on a ladder. <laughs> we can say oh, this damn. now. Stand up is canceled. <laughs> we're not going back to an open mic. Just rungs on a ladder. Yeah. I watch other comedians on stage. I'm like, they're just chess pieces moving across a board. Wow. That's yeah. the way I look at it.
0: Man, you are heartless. You I'm
1: know? a snake, Seth.
0: I, I had my doubts about the way you were portrayed <laughs> in the YouTube Docu series and <laughs> to oh my
1: god yeah <laughs> I've
0: been a little disappointed uh, no no you have many friends in the comedy scene you don't need to burn all the bridges now but I would appreciate a list of those you wish do not come back and uh, share that with and I'll offline. be publishing
1: that I'll be publishing that <laughs> I've been tweeting it out every day this person yeah. should have come back for this reason including myself ultimately oh, wow. building to me.
0: Yeah. So has stand-up been everything you've hoped and dreamed it would be? Or what was your expectation starting stand-up?
1: I don't know. I mean, I thought it would go well. I mean, you, you know, I, it's really tough. It's really tough to like tell because I think that early on you have such an intense optimism. So the expectation is it'll all be amazing. And then you're immediately met with a wave of negativity. And then that yeah. switches to the other side where you think everything's going to be bad forever. Yeah. But I think I've achieved – I think I've hit a nice little midpoint where – you know, a good, a good mix of each. Yeah. So I can't really complain. All right. Well,
0: good. So how long you've been doing stand up?
1: Let me see. So really started after college. That's 2017. I moved out here, August. I'd say I really started focusing on it December of 2017. So what is that? Two and a half years?
0: Yeah. yeah. About two yeah. and a half
1: years. So yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah. So you and I started about the same time. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting very fun so uh do you want to talk about a uh a best experience and a worst experience or just a best experience
1: in stand-up or yeah
0: in stand-up no in just your normal life uh normal with your life, girlfriend never... preferably uh, <laughs> no just stand up just stand up
1: well let me see um worst experiences just so many i'll say this this is i think one of the funnier examples of a bad experience yeah that is only funny in hindsight. And it's actually right. not a bombing story, which is very interesting.
0: Okay. But it
1: was like there was a Sunday night. So you could do the improv open mic. And there was a period where the comedy store was doing an open mic uh, also simultaneously. Yeah. So I went to the improv open mic first. Got up. Bombed. Yeah. Oh, God. Awful bombing. Went immediately to the comedy store open mic.
0: Hmm.
1: Okay. Go there, I'm late because I was at the improv mic. It's dark, I'm trying to sign up. I take a pen, I start writing and I realize that it's not writing, it's not working. Uh And then I look down, it's like kind of a weird pen. And then I look up at the door guy who had been hosting the mic and he goes, did you just take the straw from my drink? And I had, in the darkness, grabbed what I thought was a pin in like a pen jar, and it was yep. just the straw out of a stranger's drink. Tried to write, and then I was Excellent. like, oh, "I'm sorry." Got up, bombed, <laughs> went back to the improv where I had left my car, and my car window had been broken into.
0: Oh no! Yeah, yeah, that's a triple strike right there.
1: By the time I got to the car window, I was like, "But of course, this would happen." <laughs> right. But this right. is naturally the end of the story. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's so frustrating. Now, have you seen that door guy at the comedy store again?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those rare, rare situations where the moment kind of just exists in and of itself. I don't think it created any, la- like, clearly I wasn't, clearly I had no malicious intent. And he, right. I think he was just more, like, shocked that that was even a thing that could happen. That yeah, upset yeah, anyway. yeah. Oh, I think that man. whole experience encapsulates a lot of what open mic comedy is. Yeah, yeah. Which now- is beautiful.
0: right just awkward experience (laughs) upon awkward experience uh so as as a seasoned professional now in the open mic scene robert what advice or let me ask you this first do you think we're going to see an influx of open micers once coronavirus is lifted because we've got a lot of unemployed i'm guessing there are going to be a lot of people that are going to think hey a little soft reset to the life do you think we're going to see an influx of open micers
1: Honestly, I don't know. Um, I would actually probably think the opposite, right? Like, I would think mm. that there'd be fewer people doing open mics at the end of this. Because I think, um, yeah, I think there'd just be fewer people. Because I think that it's impossible for people to get into a rhythm. I feel like once this opens up again, people are going to want to get back to their quote-unquote regular lives. Yeah. So unless that regular life included stand-up before, it's not, it's not going to include it now. Does that make uh, sense? Like, you're going to want to get yeah. back to your familiar routine. Yeah. If that if that's not stand up, then at least not at first, that's not what you're going to do. At least that's my thought. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. The last. I mean, I'm going to I am I'm, I'm going to come
1: out of this thing playing stadiums, so I'm not really interested in open. Mic <laughs> yeah, I mean,
0: you're going to be fine. Yeah, this open fine. mic
1: talk is quaint, but <laughs> I'm talking about amphitheaters right now.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, had you done much research in the L.A. open mic scene before coming to L.A., or why did you pick L.A. over New York?
1: You know, I wish I could say it was. A, I wish I could say it was like much of a conscious choice. I think it was always one or the other. Mm-hmm. I think I, I may have honestly just been the weather, the aesthetic. I got into Chapman. Sure. I, you know what? It, I think it probably was just like I didn't even apply to any schools in New York. So I think the. Gotcha. Yeah, I think it was just like, I think that's kind of like the college put me in what I thought was the area. Um, <laughs> yeah,
0: well, it got you close. What I
1: believe to be the area. <laughs> Closer
0: than Missouri. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. so I think that was it. I think also there's like an association of like the entertainment industry, Hollywood. Like there's an in- entertainment industry around yeah. LA stand-up, which is I think different than New York. But again, I've never been to New York, so what do I know?
0: Right, right. Now, how'd you, um, do you still want to get into acting? Have you done any acting work?
1: That's the thing. No, <laughs> absolutely not. I've done like literally nothing besides stand standup. But, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I can I respect mean, a purist. I
1: guess, I guess the answer would be yes, but in a very intangible in that intangible way that yeah, anyone would want to, but yeah. I can't tell you that I'm making any sort of concrete effort. In like area. in a
0: Bill Burr way, right. Where you get so famous doing stand up that Hollywood producers are calling you being like, Hey, we would love yeah. for you to take this role.
1: Yeah. And and oh let's be clear I'm getting those calls. They Whoa. want me. They want me badly. But I mean, I'm just, of course
0: yeah. But eh. you might not be ready. You're still a little fresh.
1: That's what I say. I'm like, look, let me just work out this bit. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. trying to work on my bits. Mr. Yeah. Warner Brothers.
0: <laughs> and I can't portray another 12-year-old. Yeah, it's right. like,
1: I get it. You want me to play the new 12-year-old superhero for a Marvel <laughs> franchise. <laughs> the next spider-man robert schultz yeah i know this is like a weird tangent but it is so funny that like every like blockbuster movie that's like the first in a series has to star like a literal child because they want to make 14 of these things yeah like they've got like a 10 year old playing spider-man they've got like star wars of like 14 year olds like okay
0: (laughs) well that was the genius of harry potter right they found those three kids yeah yeah daniel radcliffe edmund watson and whoever the freak played Ron
1: Rupert Grant
0: (laughs) yeah they've all gone on to do other things but you
1: know what it's also a great era and it's something that we have to respect Rupert Grant for because in the last Harry Potter movie there's a shirtless scene and he did the ultimate power move which is not even try to get it (laughs) he's like no I'm not
0: I I am I'm a 17 this is
1: this is what it is yeah what I mean
0: that's it that's and it's it. like
1: okay. Like now, everyone like Tom Holland's playing Spider-Man. He's got a six pack yeah. and like a high schooler. Yeah, like whatever. Rupert Grint's like no.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I found that relatable. I had a six pack in high school, so yeah. Uh Now this last I, question. Oh no, go! I ahead. let
1: that. I let that moment linger in case you wanted to clip it. Just get fifteen <laughs> seconds of you saying you had a six pack in high school and share it. I mean, I'm me being. A- and that's me being a pro for you. <laughs> Look at
0: you. you. You truly are. You truly are. Oh, my gosh. Uh, one last Hollywood-ish question, and then we'll move on to your religious history, because that's what I am most interested in. Yeah. Uh, how devastated were you when you found out that Hollywood stars in, like, high school movies were really 30?
1: That's so interesting. Yeah, you know what? I always thought, and my theory on this has always been: I actually have no problem with them casting thirty-year-olds to play high schoolers. I just think it should be scaled across the board. So if you mm. cast a thirty-year-old high, a thirty-year-old actor to play sure. a high school-age student, then all of the parents on that show should be played by like seventy-year-olds. <laughs> That's what I've said. Yeah. If I you're going to have fair. 30 year olds play high schoolers, when they get home, they're like, mom, I'm back. Their mom should be just like coughing up dust <laughs> in a walker. <laughs> Happy 40th, mom. She's yeah. Like, you know, her eyes have like memories of the great depression flashing through them. That's always what <laughs> I believe. Just be consistent.
0: I love it. I love that principle. And, and in, in the spirit of talking about principles, you were raised Catholic. Is that correct?
1: Correct. Correct.
0: So do you still identify as Catholic?
1: Well, you know what? I honestly, I feel as if I've put the work in to identify okay. as Catholic. That's kind of the way i look at it. So yeah. do, do I, am I still invested in the Catholic faith? Not really. But I think uh-huh. that the fact that I did go to church every week and I did like confirmation classes, um, I, I did the thing um, yeah. and I went to Catholic school through second grade Okay. So, all three years. All three years. Those are formative. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. For sure. For sure.
1: Yeah, I went to everyone for, yeah. But, so no, I, I think I would still say, if you said, what religion are you? Yeah. I would probably say, well, I'm Catholic.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So now, is there, is there a cultural aspect to being Catholic that you still follow or, or identify with?
1: Well, I think the Catholic guilt, I know it's probably a touched upon thing, but I do think that that's still kind of, it affects your mindset more than anything. Mm -hmm. So I think as, as a Catholic, you're very much taught to be constantly aware and self analyzing Mm -hmm. and be very paranoid of kind of what be paranoid of what other people are perceiving when it comes to you and your actions. So I think that that hasn't gone away. So I think that's definitely true.
0: Got it. Got it. Now, are you,
1: were your parents very religious or, and are they still? Uh, My dad never really was. My Mm. dad was never really part of the religious thing. He was kind of like, well, that's kind of what your mom does. And what's interesting, my mom individually, Mm -hmm. I don't think is Catholic, but her parents were very Catholic. Uh, So she was raised in a very Catholic environment. And I think what she raised us, I think, to go to church every week, to follow the Catholic principles, not because she necessarily believed in them, but because that was just what she thought you did with kids.
0: Sure, sure. Or so that's think, what she knew, you know? Yeah, that's what she knew. Yeah. She's like,
1: well, my parents took me to church, so I will take my kids to church. And that's just kind of what you did. Right. But it wasn't necessarily devout so much as just dedicated to the routine, if that Gotcha,
0: makes sense. gotcha. So uh, are you still going to church every week?
1: Mm-hmm. No. Well, When did that but, stop for you? Well – Church every, the Catholic church every week stopped, I think, in eighth grade for me. But okay. at that point, my mom, and this is kind of where I say that I my mom's kind of religious journey was different. She mm-hmm. stopped identifying with the Catholic church, really. And she started going to, I guess, the easiest context would be a quote unquote mega church.
0: Oh, okay. Um,
1: so we went from Catholic church, very devout to a quote-unquote mega church where like the pastor wore jeans yeah they'd be singing pop christian songs (laughs) and i'm not gonna lie i bought into that for a second (laughs) yeah sure i was like you know you know what the problem with catholicism was it was kind of all the outer stuff really it's just we just need to be singing cool songs and jeans it was like cmt and the c is for christ and it was (laughs) right so i i actually bought into that
0: yeah okay and so then, that was kind of
1: my journey, and then I'd say around high school, I want to say probably sophomore year, then it kind of stopped altogether.
0: Gotcha. So, what drew you, or what pushed you away from from religion in general?
1: Well, I don't know. I think that um, it's more so what pushed me away from the necessarily the dogma of religious practices. Mm. Well, I think that, that that's it. I think that the problem was like my exposure to religion was very formulaic and there wasn't really that emotional connection. So basically, as soon okay. as I had the freedom to leave, I was like, I don't have to do this. Then I <laughs> yeah. won't. Yeah. But yeah, so I think that's it. Like like I said, it was very much. We did these things consistently because they were the things to do and it almost felt like a chore there was never really that deeper belief. It was kind of like, well, this is just what everybody does. Yeah. I think once I got a larger context for, weight, not everybody has to do this, then I just don't yeah. do it. Yeah. I think you also can't... I did move to a private school. Sorry mm. to brag. Remember at the beginning when I was like, I actually don't have money. It was yeah. Like, I, yeah.
0: I mean... I'm just going to let you talk, Robert. You dig yourself yeah. wherever you want to dig. I'm
1: digging myself a deep hole. <laughs> I went to a private school, the Army yeah. Hammer School for Wellcloth Boys, where we were taught to hunt the homeless. And that oh. became my new religion. No. Wow. <laughs> but I think that that was probably it. It's like all of my, none of my friends were particularly religious. Yeah. Um, so there was no context. And like I said, my mom kind of went on her own journey individually. Mm-hmm. She was trying to find like what made sense for her yeah and I had kind of the allure of the mega church thing had kind of worn off, and then I kind of just left it behind, so I think that what what's left over is kind of the mental cultural things, but just the dogma was kind of left behind
0: yeah, gotcha, gotcha. So did you study scriptures
1: when you were growing up yeah so so in i would we i mean we would go to the Catholic Church all the time and then also. Yeah. My eighth grade before confirmation in Catholicism, I would do weekly classes where we would just study uh, the scripture. And also I did reference like through second grade, I went to a Catholic church, which doesn't seem like much, but you do kind of have that foundation of kind of Bible learning.
0: Yeah. I mean, was Um, this taught by nuns?
1: My school was, my preschool was Uh taught by nuns after that it wasn't taught by nuns it was taught it was kind of more so like a, a public school feel and teaching and i think that honestly i think that there wasn't any weren't any nuns there i think it was like a, a few priests
0: oh, okay
1: and then when i went to the confirmation classes it, the curriculum was laid out by i don't know whatever catholic overlords but it was taught yeah. by basically just like moms in the community who wanted to get back
0: got it got it okay so and that, yeah yeah go ahead
1: Well, that wasn't when I was in my full eighth grade. I was in my full kind of snarky phase. So Mm -hmm. it was a lot of me being like, but wait a minute. If North America hadn't been discovered, how did Noah get the buffalo on the ark? (laughs) And just some overwhelmed mother is like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) it is a valid
0: question. I mean, were you raised to take the Bible literally or more as figurative?
1: I think that those words weren't ever weren't ever really used. So I guess the the short answer would be like, yes, the priests were took the Bible literally. So they would teach us and they would teach us like take us literally in church. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I I'd say this, like my family, I think always it was figurative. It's almost like these were stories that you were, you were told and things you did. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 So in studying scriptures and then in going to mega church, my idea of megachurch is sort of, let's get more personal with God, yeah. uh, more emotional connection with God rather than arguably a philosophical connection, which I think more is this, you know, study of the scripture. Um,
1: did well, you ever... On that, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry, just on that. I think that because a lot of my Catholic scripture teaching was when I was really young, mm-hmm. Yes, they were teaching it literally, but when you're that age, everything is figurative anyway. Does that make sense? Like you're being taught history, you're being taught math. Like these are all things that when I'm in sixth grade, I'm not applying geometry to my everyday life. You know what I mean? It's like everything is figurative. Yeah. yeah, So I think maybe when it got to the point in my life where I was able to kind of at least think about the literal world and my place in it, that was when I kind of slowly started to break away.
0: Gotcha. So did you ever feel a connection with God or no?
1: I would say yes, honestly. Okay. Well, I think that that's one of those things where it's like around eighth grade in the mega church era, I started praying. I would like pray on my own or like when yeah. I would, before I had something, I mean, what is that old saying? It's like, there's always going to be prayer in school as long as there are tests or something. But it's like, I would pray before a test. I would pray before things. So basically I would yeah. pray very selfishly. Sure. And, but, and I think that's another thing is like that kind of became, I would pray in my private moments for my personal schoolwork, friends, blah, blah, blah. Right. And that and that relationship became individual, and it never really happened through church. So I think that that also became a way for me to kind of let it go.
0: Gotcha. But I think,
1: especially during the megachurch era, yes, I think so. Like that was where like the emotional connection came because it basically just dumbed down everything I had already been taught and was already a foundation in my head.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. So do you still believe in a God?
1: I would say probably. I mean, then that's one of those things where it's like I'd say yeah if you ask yeah. me yes. If you ask me what form that takes, I probably wouldn't know. So I guess the, I guess that my yeah. my what was it? I think that Freud had the thing of like Freud's thing was like even if God is real, there's not enough evidence to justify believing in him. I think the mm. example I always learned was like, hey, is there a clown? Hey, it's like if me telling you there's a clown behind you right now, even if you turned around and saw there was a clown behind you, you would still have been right to doubt that there was a clown behind you in the first place, if that makes sense.
0: Okay, yeah. Basically, yeah,
1: yeah, it's like even if God is real, is there enough evidence to justify believing in him? But I think I ultimately fall down the thing of I believe in a lot of things that I couldn't couldn't justify or prove in any given moment. So I'd say that I, yeah, agnostic. I think that's probably a long word. (laughs) <laughs> a long way around to say
0: yeah yeah yeah. no that's i think that's fair though i mean do you find it in moments of stress or anxiety or uh you know even depression do you find yourself going back to prayer or this sort of mental state you were in when you were going to the mega church
1: well yeah well i think that's it it's like like i said it's almost like I had the foundation of the dogma from Catholicism. And I think the megachurch just showed me like, oh, there is another way to connect with this. Yeah. And then even that connection is like, all right, well, I'll make my own connection with whatever I think to be out there. So I kind of left all of that aside. So yeah, I mean, like I'll still, I'll, I'll occasionally pray or like, I'll pray for like, oh, I hope so-and-so does well. Um, <laughs> or
0: apparently but, badly. Uh... Or yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I hope they're a bit about cum bombs. That's what I think. <laughs> When one yeah. of my enemies starts sure. doing a new bit about cum, I'm like, I hope this cum bit bombs, and I yeah. hope God makes it happen. You know? and,
0: and I'm sure He does because it's yeah. so inappropriate. Yeah, yeah.
1: But, um, but yeah, I think the def- I think the again, it's like I think that my whatever my connection or feeling about about it has like taken its own individual form. So
0: uh-huh.
1: yeah, I think I definitely still do, but I, I don't miss the dogma. And I don't necessarily connect when I think about it or when I say a prayer, I'm not necessarily picturing anything at the mega church or anything at the um, Catholic church or schools that I grew up in.
0: Got it. Got it. Um, yeah. So uh, for, for you, I mean, do you, I understand you don't really identify necessarily as religious, you say agnostic, but you still believe in something spiritual, a higher power out there, or are you, yeah, are you I, I truly apathetic?
1: I would say that if you, I'd say ultimately apathetic would probably, like apathetic to other people's beliefs. So I'm kind of Fair. like,
0: yeah, sure. Yeah.
1: Like, it it's one of those things where it's like, when I see a, a crazy Christian, like, Mega like church me. dude yeah oh yeah, yeah. yeah. well go if ahead. i see someone like those like pastors on tv who are like begging for yeah. money and flying private jets like joel osteen i'm like well that guy's right. crazy right And i'm not gonna lie when i see bill maher just being like if you believe in god you mentally ill idiot <laughs> moron <laughs> i'm like well yeah. i don't know if that's the way to oh, go man. either so yeah. i think i probably fall somewhere in the middle but
0: Okay, yeah, that's fair. So I I mean comedically, uh I'm curious I've seen uh not everything you've ever done as far as your your comedic repertoire of jokes goes. But I haven't seen you uh ever joke about God. Do you joke about God? Do you joke about religion?
1: Yeah, I joke about growing up religious, but I mean I think it's um yeah, I have some so I've got a I've got a Catholic chunk in there. I've got a good minute and a half. But oh, okay, yeah, it's not nice. necessarily about God. Yeah. It's it's not necessarily about God. It's just, for me, it's like more so just like the comedy of like growing up in a Catholic environment and what that means. It's like my joke, like I grew up Catholic. You may know us as like the good guys from every exorcism movie or as the bad uh-huh. guys from world events. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, there's like little jokes. Yeah. I think it's like, again, it's like not necessarily about spirituality or anything associated with it. It's just kind of like juxtaposing growing up Catholic versus growing up like my friends who were different religions and kind of like the way those would kind of bump into each other.
0: Right. Right. Gotcha. So do you believe in an afterlife or do you even care?
1: You know, I guess if you put a gun on I would believe in some, like that's, I think that's it. It's like, I, I would probably assume there's some form of afterlife and I'd probably choose to believe that. But Mm. I don't really know what form that takes. And if someone's like, I don't believe in it at all, I'm like, well, I can't really argue with you. But yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, I think I'd say yes.
0: Yeah. So from your Catholic upbringing, the afterlife, as far as Catholicism is concerned, I understand it's sort of vague, like there's a heaven and then there's a hell. But what I gather is hell's pretty big. Is that inaccurate?
1: Well, I would say that's inaccurate because I would say actually growing up Catholic, the the concept of heaven and hell was very, very specific. So, oh, okay. Yeah, so the Catholic version of heaven is literally, I was taught, you're on clouds playing harps with the angels. Oh, so that really
0: is, okay. All well, that's
1: right. kind of, well, that, well, that's it, but keep in mind yeah. that my Catholic teaching was when I was like very young, so that's sure. probably... Okay. Who knows? Maybe if I had stayed in Catholic school until high school, they would have been like, all right, here's what's really going on. You're getting sucked <laughs> off by everything. Maybe.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we Maybe I just got the G-rated you.
1: version of Catholicism. Right.
0: And, Something that kids could relate to. Being naked yeah, Harry land. Potter
1: started off as a kids movie, and by the end of it, Voldemort's <laughs> just killing people with snakes. Maybe Catholicism is its harps and clouds early on, but then yeah. the end, you're getting sucked off.
0: I mean, I will say this, though. Harry Potter had books that were pretty clear about the events that were going on. The Bible is not very clear about what heaven includes.
1: Well, I guess that's true. I think that it's very... It's heavy on, like, very poetic descriptions, but I guess you're right. I think a lot of those descriptions aren't when you get into the practical day-to-day application. Yeah. But but then again, I... I always took that to mean it's like, well, once you're in the afterlife, all concepts of time and day to day kind of evaporate anyway. You know what I mean? So it's like, how can you put kind of real world constraints on kind of a a, a post world or whatever?
0: Yeah, gotcha. Now that makes sense. That makes sense. All right. Well, fun, fun. Well, I think I think that's, uh, you know, we're, we're almost on an hour we're at about 45 minutes which is pretty good really and i wanted to give you some time to ask me some questions uh, about what's the deal with mormons so is there anything regarding mormonism that you've come across or uh encountered that you wanted to discuss
1: yeah so all right (laughs) is mormon mormons is the mitt romney one right (laughs)
0: Yes, Mitt Romney I, is a member of the Latter day Saint faith. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> otherwise known as Mormons. Yes.
1: Also the Killers, right?
0: The Killers, yeah. I believe this all is of be them, yeah.
1: Naming celebrities and being like, huh? yeah. The
0: Osmonds, <laughs> if you remember Donnie and Marie.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Also, also Latter day Saint faith members.
1: That's pretty cool. Are you still Mormon? I you am. Bro- you are. So you're still, and you're literal. You do take it literally or?
0: Well, what do you mean by uh I mean I take the faith seriously if that's if that's what you're yes. asking. I don't take the Bible literally. Okay, know? yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah, I think there are perhaps some stories that were literal. Uh I'm willing uh and believe that the, you know, story regarding Moses delivering the children of Egypt on the Red Sea, you know, out of out of Egypt on dry ground through the Red Sea. I, I believe that's literal. I believe that actually happened. Uh, the Flood, I don't know that the entire globe was covered in water. I'm not sure about that. I don't yeah. know that that's really the point of the story um, or that it's necessary to believe that literally. But uh, did something, did, did a huge flood happen? Yeah, I believe that, that that happened where Noah was living.
1: Sure. I've always thought that it's like, yeah, I think that you're never meant to take it literally, which is why when... I always draw such a parallel to white guys telling jokes about rap songs versus uh, a lot of times people complaining about the Bible is like not being literal. You know what I'm talking about? Like a lot of times white guys will be like, um, I don't know. It's like, they'll take like a rap song, rap lyrics clearly meant to be like exaggerated and be like, but could this literally happen? It's like, somebody's <laughs> like, like listen to ludicrous being like, all I do is win. And it's like, really? You've never even tied. And it's like, well, you're not, that's not, that's not yeah. the point. You know what I yeah. mean? Right. So I think right. that, yeah. So I, that's kind of the, in my head, whenever people come with the Bible literally, I'm like, well, that's just not even what it's supposed to be.
0: Sure. Yeah. 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 But yes, I mean, we still, you know, we, we still go to church. Now we're not physically going to church anymore because of the uh, coronavirus, mm-hmm. you know, the quarantine. Um, but Which we've uh, done
1: an admirably literal amount of content on. I, I know. Nervous. We haven't touched on it at all.
0: I mean, we can. And do you want we, to talk about shouldn't. coronavirus? I, I feel like we could.
1: We, well, we, yeah, we could hit all the benchmarks. We could. Yeah, it's yeah. right there.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're not. surviving quarantine, right?
1: Huh?
0: You're surviving quarantine.
1: Quarantine is crazy. It yeah. should, <laughs> should be called crazy teen. <laughs> oh, hey yo. <laughs> Got him. Yeah! Have you, tested? Have, you, have you been tested for coronavirus? No. And Seth, I'm going to be honest. I don't think I... I don't think we should go into it. I, I think we should leave people vague.
0: Good. Good. I don't
1: That's think we good. should. I, I, I think we should have the discipline to say, no, we're, this isn't about Corona. This is about Christ. And shame That's on right. you for shame on you <laughs> for, for, wanting, for wanting,
0: for yeah. wanting the Corona. I just figured you'd be sick of talking to people about it because you have yeah. everyone oh, yeah. contacting you for their podcasts and their shows.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting bombarded. Um, I mean,
0: just ridiculous.
1: It is one of those things where it's like, do I necessarily want to do Zoom comedy shows? No. Would I like to be offered more? Absolutely.
0: <laughs> now, have you Just been doing... Just give me the
1: option to say no.
0: Have you been doing the Zoom comedy shows? Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: I've done a, I've done a few. And, and they've been fun. And I yeah. and I should say they've been fun and they've been fun. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. They've been you fun. They've been it. fine.
1: I appreciate the opportunity. <laughs> I welcome it again.
0: There you connect go. Connect I mean, with
1: friends. Connect with fans.
0: Yeah. Every booker that does Zoom comedy shows watches this. So it would be it would behoove you to speak well of the zoom comedy shows.
1: I kneel. That's my new religion. I pray to zoom comedy shows.
0: (laughs) I cannot condone that, but I understand it.
1: (laughs) You know what? One thing I did want to ask is like, I know that I know that you probably the book of Mormon, you've been bombarded with it, but I remember when they were promoting it, uh, Matt Parker and Trey Stone made a big show of like, Mormons have seen it and they love it. They <laughs> love it. And I'm like, all right, I get they're saying that to sell it, but I'm like, there's just no way that's true. <laughs> yeah.
0: There's I will no say way. there are Mormons I know who have seen it and who have liked it to varying degrees. But I don't think anyone that I know has come out of it thinking, oh, they just hate members of our faith. Interesting. Yeah. Which I think is, I, I mean... I don't think they do. Uh, I've seen limited South Park episodes where they discuss Mormons and it's always in the same sort of, they are, they are harmless quaint people that are just trying to be happy and do good. Yeah. And the, I I haven't seen the musical. I have wanted to see it, but I haven't seen it. Um, It was in the, uh, what, the Amundsen in Pasadena right before, Quarantine hit, and I think it overlapped with quarantine, so we weren't yeah. able to go. But the music that I've listened to uh, is still the same vein. It's still, you know, they're good hearted people that might be a little bit delusional, but their delusion is not
1: harmful. So I think that's it, yeah. That seems about right. The last, I know it's now jumping off from that. The last thing I did before quarantine, one of the last things I did, it was the weekend before it started, I yeah. saw Margaritaville at the Dolby Theater. Oh, wow. How was it? And me, about the Musical. Well, Here's the biggest takeaway. It was packed. Yeah. It was packed. And there's a, it was packed with like old people, like packed. And at one point there's a bit in the song where uh, there's apparently a Jimmy Buffett song called let's get drunk and screw. I never knew it, but they made a, they made a big show on stage where they're like, well, we don't want to say the second word because it's a bad word. So maybe the audience can help us out. And they said that I'm like, there's no way anyone in here is going to help you out. And then they said, let's get drunken and thousands of people, with families, with children, yeah, scream screw, and they've never been happier. <laughs> and I just wanna get that back. If there's one thing we are gonna say about <laughs> everything, about religion, about quarantine, we just want Margaritaville back.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah. At least the aspect of community that Margaritaville brought. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> if there is one thing you could change about organized religion, what would it be?
1: Well, I honestly, it's one of those things where it's like obviously, like there's the obvious answers, like with like the Catholic Church, you know, quick Google search, you know, quick watch of a quick watch of any Academy Award nominee, (laughs) right, right. That's I've always realized like this. the movie the better the catholic church is portrayed like yeah. if you watch like a horror movie with like an eight percent on rotten tomatoes they're like we gotta get this girl to a priest the devil's in her <laughs> and if you watch a movie with like a 98 percent, it's just priest being like thrown in jail cells and it's like and we never want you out <laughs> yeah so what was the question Oh, uh, if i could change like obviously you have the harm harmful things mm-hmm. i don't know i think that just anyone could aff- not even touching on the obvious things of, like, people being hurt and, like, et cetera, et cetera. I'd right. say just in general, right. I think that putting less pressure on anyone's experience and kind of giving them the breathing room to find their own way through.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that's very fair. Excellent. Did you have any other questions about Mormonism? Or no, did we cover your gamut?
1: My main thing was the Mitt Romney one and The Killers question mark. Yeah. And we got that. And I'm, if I'm being honest, the Book of Mormon thing I pulled out of my back pocket. I really oh, nice. just want to confirm the Killers. So yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yes, I believe that is all true. Uh, the lead singer, I think of the Killers, is, is a member of the faith. I'm not sure if every member of the band is, though. They very well might be.
1: I feel like they. I feel like he writes the songs and he sings them. So if you're not, they may as well convert. <laughs> Otherwise, that's yeah. just like weird.
0: Guilty by association, perhaps. Yeah. Right? Uh, very fun. All
1: right. Anything you want? to Any Zoom shows you got coming up? You want to plug? I don't know. Um, I have I, I don't know. I would love some. I I have to decline them, but please offer them to me. I'm well, begging you. Exactly. But, yeah. Um, follow me on Twitter. Follow me on. Dare I say TikTok? I'm Ooh, so sorry. Are you on TikTok, Robert? I'm on TikTok. I'm no sorry. kidding. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, which? I'm sorry.
0: Okay. This is the final question. Uh, and I'll put I'll put your handle for Instagram, Twitter, and uh, TikTok. Send me your TikTok.
1: It's all it's all underscore Robert Schultz. Beautiful.
0: Okay, I'll put them all Brand in the show century. notes so people can find you. What's been your favorite TikTok craze to to hop on?
1: If I'm being like very honest, I don't watch other people's TikToks, and I think that's probably a shame. Wow.
0: Yeah. How do you participate in the community? You're just putting out original content. Are you kidding put it out,
1: me? I just put it i just put it out there it bombs i wonder why and then r- rinse and repeat
0: <laughs> that's great are you trying to get your sounds used by other tiktokers
1: no i mean well it's you know what what's your goal thing, with
0: tiktok robert there what's is your no goal?
1: goal what's the goal of anything to get famous my my goal with tiktok is to just keep the gun barrel out of my mouth for another day just Fair keep enough. the Keep the taste of lead out of my breath, Yeah, Zach. A
0: good outlet. A good outlet. <laughs> I can understand that. I can Why do you think that. I did
1: this podcast to just I, keep there's a revolver right off the webcam view. <laughs> I totally understand.
0: Bullet. Yeah, that's the whole reason I'm keeping this podcast going. You know to just
1: keep keep me from reaching. That's all I ask.
0: Exactly. Oh my And God. if I
1: do die, pay me this tribute. Follow yes,
0: me on TikTok. We if will. I die
1: Follow me on TikTok. (laughs) We will.
0: And send us a message from the other side. Are we playing harps? What is happening?
1: I'll give you confirmation. I'll zoom in from the (laughs) other side.
0: (laughs) That would be great. That would be great. Robert, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: For talking to me. And uh, have a great week.
1: You as well. Hopefully see you soon.
0: Yep. absolutely. Bye.